0: I was riding the trolley bus in Saratov one day with my friend, Fabiana. She's from Colombia, studying medicine there. And and uh, we're on our way to her university. And we're on the back of the bus. I had my guitar with me. So we stood at that empty space at the back. And then I turned and I looked at the, the two seats that were facing backwards, facing us. And the passengers really caught my eye in those seats. And I didn't know what it was that, that drew my attention. I thought maybe it was the lady sitting by the window. She looked a little eccentric. She had on this really brightly colored dress with flowers on it, and maybe that was what caught my eye. Or maybe it was the 800-pound orangutan sitting in the seat next to her. (laughs) What? In 2003, we moved to Russia together, and it changed us in a permanent way. We learned to survive the snow, to drink vodka, and to beat ourselves in the bathhouse. We discovered a land of poets and philosophers, of ancient mysteries and modern transformations. It was an entirely different world. Ever since we left, we've wanted to share this great country with others. Consider this podcast our love letter to Russia. I'm David. And I'm Grant. Welcome to season two of
1: To Russia With Love. 800 eight hundred pound orangutan. Yeah, dude. Are they? Are they?
0: Uh, do they get that big? Uh, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know how much orangutans weigh. I mean, maybe it's a lot. You didn't weigh it. No, I didn't weigh him. <laughs> the point is, it was an orangutan on the bus, man. <laughs> it was this huge murderous primate sitting on the bus, oh. and so I, I had to talk to the lady. My friend Fabiana, she was kind of scared. I think because she's heard of these animals attacking people, and he's just sitting there. He's got a ticket in his hand and everything. He's staring <laughs> at his paper ticket, <laughs> and I, I just, I looked at the lady, and I, she smiled at me, and I said, "Lady, what's up with the monkey man? What's, <laughs> what's going on here?" <laughs> and she told me <laughs> that they worked at the circus, oh. and and I guess they don't have the circus doesn't have a budget for a car or something to transport this orangutan. So he has to take the bus.
1: He has to take public transportation. So he he was on his way to work. He had a gig that night, and he had to get get to the circus. So he just took the bus.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And she said they take it all the time. She buys him a ticket, and he sits nice, sits politely. That's how he gets around on the trolley bus in Saratov. And my friend Fabiana, she told me like months later, she ran into the orangutan again. On uh, the Gazelle, one of those small minivan transports, and she was sitting right across from him, and he was sitting there eating a banana, and she was terrified that he would get <laughs> violent. But she said he he was looking her right in the eye, and then he put out his hand to shake her hand. He was just being polite. What a gentleman. Real gentleman, orangutan. Orangutan.
1: Well, hey, uh, this episode we're talking about transportation and, and a lot of our experiences with transportation before we get into it though, I just have to say, Dave, I did a little bit of quick fact checking, and uh orangutans can get up to like two two fifty maybe so uh we 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 try to make sure you know we're not lying we're not we're not making things up, so I just want to put that out there. Okay, so I exaggerated. The other thing I just want to say before we get into the transportation is the Saratov Circus was awesome. It was badass. Oh, amazing. And that orangutan did some crazy stuff there in the circus. So if he wants to sit by me on the bus, cool with me. Maybe we'll get him on the program sometime. Yeah. He could be a guest in the future. Let's reach out. (laughs) So as I said, we're talking about transportation today. While we lived in Russia... Over 15 years ago, we didn't have a car. We took all the public transportation in the city of Angles and the city of Saratov. So uh, we had quite a few odd experiences like this. And, and we just want to share some of our experiences. We know that it's different in different cities. It's been 15 years since we've been there. So there's infrastructure change and there's uh, technology changes. But we just want to share some of our experiences and what we liked about public transportation.
0: Yeah, this is not this is not at all an overview of what Russian transportation is like. It's very subjective uh from 2003, 2004 when uh, that's still in that awkward transition for the country cu- the country's still pulling itself together. Yeah. And uh, a lot of huge improvements have happened since then. Uh, new transportation systems. Uh Moscow's put in a couple of bullet trains. There's one that goes between the two airports. That's really modernized in the last 15 years but our adventures were in that transition period in that time when you could you would really see anything on a bus in a taxi in Russia yeah. in Saratov and anything includes a huge murderous primate sitting on the <laughs> bus next to you
1: yeah so if if you're listening and and if you've been to Russia especially in the last few years reach out to us and let us know you know what was your experience with transportation you can uh, leave us a comment on our Instagram, trwl_podcast, or our Facebook and Twitter, which is at trwlpodcast, or send us an email at trwlpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it's been a few years since we've been there, so you know, we know things have changed. Let us know what your experiences are. We both grew up in Southern California, in between Los Angeles and San Diego, which you know many people would say is kind of like a concrete jungle yeah you know there's freeways and highways and streets everywhere when I grew up, we drove everywhere we didn't we never used public did you have that similar experience?
0: yeah totally the same um you know very suburban atmosphere, yeah and I part of my childhood was northern California but also really suburban place. We drove everywhere. I don't think I ever took a bus as a child, yeah before we moved to Russia, I had lived in Ensenada for a while in northern Mexico. So that was where I got used to taking buses and transport and also in college in San Diego. But, I mean, for the most part, just the idea of public transportation was was new to us. Yeah. So we go from riding in a car everywhere to this very unique public transport system that we had
1: in Angles in and Saratov. Yeah. I don't think I ever rode public transportation besides maybe the school bus but I don't think I ever rode right. any of that until we got there to Russia.
0: <laughs> yeah, so then we get to Russia. The the types of transport we took, there's regular buses, you know, full-sized. There's trolley buses, which is like a bus, but it's uh, connected to electrical cables that would help it run. Yeah. And uh, taxis obviously are part of it. There are a couple light rail trains in the Saratov Engels area. And then there's these beautiful little tiny weird things that were known as gazelles, also called the Marshrutka, which yeah. is a little minivan <laughs> and it's been outfitted with a bunch of seats in, in the back side of it. Yeah. And it moves around. It's faster than the big bus, so they call it
1: gazelle. But I mean fast is a relative term, right? Yeah. And those had those had little routes that they would do. They're kinda like they're kinda like really localized. Yeah. You knew which number to flag down. And they would come and pick you up, and and if you knew where it was going, you could get wherever you needed to. We took those quite a bit.
0: Yeah, when when we first moved to Engels, we asked how to get around, and and the church people told us, oh, you can take the gazelle, you can take the masrutka to this part of town and look for this number. Flag one of these down and and get in. And I think it was, I think the first time I took it, it was rush hour, and (sighs) it's just this little thing is packed with sweaty people in there, and it was... The summer was just starting, so so things. The weather's getting hot, and everybody's sweaty, and you can smell like cigarettes and sweat and some alcohol breath on a couple dudes all in that packed little hot space. Yeah, and the techno music is going on the radio from the driver, (laughs) and just a really fun,
1: different experience. It's totally different experience. Very a little bit stressful Uh, the first few times we did that. Fortunately, I think we were with some friends or with locals, kind of helping us get around and so they would communicate with the driver they would tell us okay give me give me 5 rubles let's we'll pass it up you would hand off your money to to the person sitting in the seat in front of you and they would just pass it up to the driver if you didn't get your money up there quick enough he'd start yelling at you <laughs> so that that was that was if you didn't know the name you had to tell the driver to stop if nobody told him to stop and there was nobody at the next stop he would just keep going by so you'd have to tell him i get off at whatever street for me like that was stress full man I did not have a good handle of the Russian language so I would always screw things up and sometimes I would know the route well enough where I could say next next stop or something like that uh, it was it was definitely an experience the first time that I remember writing it was I think after some of our concerts and we were there with uh, a friend and it was late at night and we were going back back to our hotel one of the things that they did was they would just pack as many people on there as possible So we we were on and then we got to another stop and then another like four or five people wanted to get on, but there wasn't much space. I remember there was a a young woman who was kind of standing up and I I said something like, uh, like, you can have my seat. And I started to get up and she said, no, it's okay, I'll just sit on your lap. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and so she sat right on my lap and and we rode the rest of the way and i didn't know what to do but that was that was kind of a normal thing too it was like if there was standing room people would be standing you know sometimes people would sit on each other's laps it was just normal and but not normal for me that was as a uh as a 19 year old figuring out a new country and figuring out my own thoughts and feelings that was uh that was definitely a weird experience. The whole thing was a daunting task for,
0: for you and Murph, especially with your... Because uh, your Russian was much more limited. Yeah. Like you said, you could look out the window, if you were lucky enough to have a view of a window, and you could just say, stop here. But even that, like, it's it's not as simple as the word next. Yeah. In Russian, you would really have to say, следушая остановка. Yeah. It's a like this long, long thing and every, the name of every stop was, like, 20 syllables long. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you couldn't, you couldn't just memorize, oh, let me off at Birch Street. Or how about Main Street? <laughs> These are all, like, <laughs> <laughs> Ulica Komsomolskaya Pravda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ulica Dasta <laughs> Oh, man. You got to memorize this whole thing just to tell them where you're getting off. And some of the drivers, not all the guys, but at least half of them were some of the most surly dudes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It just hated life. <laughs> and so these guys, like, they were not helpful. It was not a user-friendly system. If
1: you got the name of the street wrong, they would drive right by it because you didn't say it right. So obviously you didn't mean that street. You meant to meant somewhere else.
0: Or if you said it too late. Yeah. they just keep on going to the next stop. <laughs> yeah, everything, they would, you'd have to, like, shout out, "A la At the top of your lungs. Yeah. And then if you didn't close the door hard enough, he'd yell at you as you got
1: off. <laughs> Or if you closed it or if you closed it too hard, he would he would yell at you for slamming the door too too hard.
0: Yeah, if you shut it too hard, he would they would always say, <laughs> like chlopets is uh all it's the word for like slamming something. Yeah, don't so don't slam, don't the, slam door. the door. Yeah, just so many ways to screw things up on that. So if for a perfectionist it's uh, just a nightmare. Oh, man. When you're just trying to do things right. Um yeah. I one of the first times I used them, I had I was trying to Observe how people the etiquette on on these things and i uh, I noticed that people when they would get off, if somebody was in their way, they would say yeah, or just if, if they're a little more surly, they'd just say yeah like will you permit me to pass yeah to permit someone to go by, and so I tried it out when I had my stop, and there's this old woman standing by the door, and I got up behind her, and i and my stop is coming up. And I said, please. As, as nice as I could. And she just turned back and said, Nie No. Like, no, no I will, I will not, not permit you to pass. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, I'm just not, am I not going to get off of this bus because this lady doesn't like me? And then it turns out that that was her stop, too. She was waiting to get off. Yeah. So that was just her way of saying, like, hey, I'm getting off first because I'm a lady. Yeah. Uh.
1: In my, my go-to word was izvini, which is like, ex- oh, yeah. excuse me, but I don't even think that was totally correct. Like that's more, it's more of like, well,
0: that's the familiar form of like with your friends. Yeah. So with a stranger, you would say isvini. Yeah.
1: Isvini. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe I did say that, but it was like, uh, I would, I would say that, but it, it never really clarified why, what I needed excuse for or needed to be excused for. So I'd always, I'd find myself in some, some issues trying to go with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, we're talking, we we always come back to the language and how complicated it is. Just a word like excuse me, there are so many ways to say it depending on what kind of excuse me it is. So if you want to get past someone, you have to say, will you permit me to pass by? Similar in Spanish, we say, Con permiso, similar idea. But is kind of a general... Catching someone's attention, like you like, pardon me, but may I do whatever? Yeah. So they probably just stared at you, like, yeah, what, what do you what want? Do you want? <laughs> what are you going to say next? Yeah. And then there's prastitsia, which is if you if, if you screwed something up, you're saying forgive me for my mistake. It was
1: all like re- learning Russian to me. <laughs>
0: That's exactly what it was like. Yeah. because it was. But those
1: were some of the words, you would even use those if you were on not just the marshrutkas, but, uh, or the gazelles, but you know, if you were on the bus and you needed to move past to get off on your stop, you know, we would take those because they were pretty specific, but oftentimes we would take a bus to get to a gazelle route and the buses were a little bit different. There was always a a lady uh, who would walk through the bus and collect money. So you could get on on the bus in any of the um, doors. You didn't have to go in in the front and pay up front. I've forgotten about that because yeah. we don't
0: have that in Mexico City. That's No, great.
1: almost almost anywhere else I've taken public transport, you have to get in in the front door. Yeah, you pay the driver. You pay the driver and they let you come on and you find a seat. But on this one, you just get in on any door, you get off on any door but this person would kind of wade through this sea of people you know, especially if it was rush hour and push by and, and you'd have to make some space for this woman to come and and get your money and give you a ticket. And there were times I remember there like if she if it was so packed she couldn't get to the very back, she would call out to you and and you'd have to send your money down the line and and she would send a ticket back and you'd get that. Right. Lindsay has told me a story her family lived in in Russia so they were used to that. But they took a trip out of the country and they went to London and they the first day in London they went and they got on, you know, one of the big classic double-decker red buses. You know that all the tourists want to oh, go yeah. on. And they're standing there at the bus stop, and the door's open, and so Lindsay and her sister, Alicia, jump on the back door, and the driver freaks out because there's this whole family trying to get in in the back, and he thinks they're, they're not going to pay. So he slammed the door. Uh, <laughs> only Lindsay and her sister got on. Her parents and her grandparents were left off the bus, and he guns it and starts driving <laughs> off.
0: He's taking them as hostages? Yeah, Lindsay,
1: Lindsay has this memory of seeing her mom and dad running after the bus in London, Fortunately there were some people who who helped and, and started yelling at the driver and said, These are just kids, you gotta let them off. Their parents are back there. But they were used to the Russian way of doing it and that was get on any any door that you can, shove yourself in there and uh wait your wait your turn until you get to your stop.
0: Yeah, those tickets too, they were they were always the really flimsy paper, made with the really cheap paper. Yeah. And they would always say to you need a ticket to ride and and hold on to it. But those the the girls that we met, uh, Katya, who dressed like a skater and Galia, yeah. they told us a story of, of riding the bus and they would always kind of rip their ticket into pieces when they rode because mm. it would just it'd be in their hand and they'd slowly rip it up just for the heck of it. Yeah, And, uh, and Katya told us that one time she was on there and like a minute later, the, the lady came back to her and said, where's your ticket? And she was like, "What's well, on the floor in a million pieces?" <laughs> and the lady kicked her off. Yeah, because the lady said, "You need a ticket to ride. Yeah. Rules are rules. I can't let." Those are the rules. She was like, "You you sold it to me like a second ago,"
1: and the lady kicked her off for ripping her ticket up. I remember one of these ladies on a bus that we would take pretty regularly, so we kind of got to know who the drivers were and who the ticket ladies were. One of these ladies, half of her half of her mouth was was gold. She had gold teeth in half of her half of her mouth on nice. the top row. Like on the right hand side. Sweet grill. Yeah. And she was a she was a sweet woman. She was nice to us, I think, most of the time. But then we met we met a man who started coming to the church a little while later and we thought we should hook them up because he had the same thing, but just on the opposite side, on the left side. We thought like he was <laughs> he was the yin to her yang. We thought they we thought they ought to get ought to get together. Not not everybody was, you know upset or mad, you know. We had some nice, nice folks who were we would interact with too.
0: Yeah, there were some friendly drivers. Yeah. There was one driver who was who was really friendly one night, the trolley bus driver in Angles, because he was pissed drunk when he was driving yeah. the trolley bus. Yeah. And he was announcing the stops. There was a, a loudspeaker system and every stop would he'd come on and it just he could barely even say the <laughs> names, like hes he sounded like us with our beginner's Russian, yeah. and he was he was in a he was in a good mood, but I mean it's connected to those wire cables, so like it you know how far off track could he even go, yeah. picture him saying,
1: man, this thing practically drives itself, he was pretty reined in, yeah. Yeah and th- and the trolley buses went pretty slow so we were pretty much safe there you know there was things that you could do to just screw things up even though generally like we I felt safe I was always nervous about getting on the wrong bus going somewhere else that I didn't know like ending up in a neighborhood that I didn't know anything about That would happen sometimes too Yeah yeah usually usually we could catch it and we would know and we could jump off and 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 catch the right bus or or backtrack a little bit I remember Murph telling us a story and I think that this was <laughs> this was one of the turning points for him. It was after the night we spent with that real horny American guy who who called for a boom boom massage. Oh yeah. We stayed with him because w- the buses had stopped running by that time and and we didn't know you know you could just get a taxi and go home, so we thought we were just stuck, so we stayed with him. But the next morning Murph got up real early before you and I woke up and and he was he was done with it so he went out and he got on a bus he thought he got on the right bus it was the it was the number that we would usually take but we were in Saratov and normally we would take this bus in angles. so he got on in the wrong city and even though it was the right number it ended up being the wrong route <laughs> you remember him telling us about that yeah
0: i i know exactly the bus cuz if i'm not mistaken it was the the 285b yeah. is the one he needed yeah. to take yeah 285 <laughs> yeah and he took the two hundred and eighty five a or no letter at all, yeah, so same number, but he was missing that b letter, and it's a it was a totally different thing, and took him off a whole different side of town
1: yeah i think I think they took him out of town, and there was a whole bunch of he said there was a whole bunch of old people on the bus, like pensioners, and I think they were going out to their dashas where they would have little gardens in a community garden oh, yeah. area. I think they're going out there to work those, but he realized like, Oh, okay. We're going the wrong way. These are all old people. Like, where are they going? Are they going to some like old person's home? And then, um, and then everybody <laughs> got off on the same stop and he was left. He was the only person left on the bus. And I think the, the driver <laughs> said something to him and, and I don't even know how he communicated with the driver. Cause. Yeah. Cause he didn't speak Russian. Really. We were only three months in at, at the most at that point. But uh, but somehow somehow he understood to get off and get on another bus that took him elsewhere, and I I think that was like one of the snapping points for him where he realized, hey, this this place <laughs> this is not the place for me.
0: <laughs> he was he was ready to hang in
1: there with us until he got that wrong bus, yeah. And that was that was what broke him, yeah. <laughs> so eventually eventually though we realized that you could take taxis, and when we say taxis, that's kind of a loose word for for what it was back then. There were I think official taxis, you know, kind of like the yellow cab. But generally, taxis were just cars that anybody who wanted to make a few extra bucks would stop and pick people up. It was kind of like Uber before Uber. Yeah, this was the original Uber. But you're not giving your money to
0: to the app people. It's all yours. Yeah, you not
1: You never did it on an app. You just stuck your hand out on the side of the road, and someone would stop by. And we realized you could do that, and and yeah. eat at any time of night you're bound to find somebody who wanted to make a few extra dollars.
0: Yeah. A lot of guys would do a little handwritten sign and just write taxi yeah. on a paper and put it in their window. Yeah.
1: That really helped us out, you know, when we started wanting to hang out a little bit later. <laughs> and your wife, Lindsay, she she would take those in Moscow when she lived there too, right? Yeah. She, she and Alicia tell another story about their experiences with that. When they moved there, she was in middle school and Alicia's a few years younger than her. So... In, elementary school. You know what year they moved there? Like 90s or Yeah, in the 90 uh 96 maybe. Okay. But they would take these these taxis. They they'd uh wave down a car. It was kind of like hitchhiking, but you'd wave down a car and the person would come up and then typically you would tell them where you wanted to go and they would give you a price and then you could negotiate. You know, you could haggle with someone. If they wanted too much money, you could you could say no, uh I'll pay this amount. Sometimes you could Come up with the deal. Other times they would drive off and you'd get someone else. They tell this story, and I love hearing it because, in thinking of Lindsay as like a young teenager and Alicia even younger. They would go and take these taxis sometimes in the morning to get to their school. And it would be just the two of them, these two basically little girls flagging down a car and then negotiating. And Alicia, I think, really caught on really, really quick with the language. So she, I think she would usually do the negotiating. And I could just imagine this little redheaded girl talking with this big, gruff Russian guy and saying like, no, that's too much. We'll only pay this amount. And then if he says no, then she says, Get out of here, we'll get somebody else. <laughs> I could totally see Alicia doing that too. Oh yeah, totally. She just just no nonsense.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so so uh,
1: you know, that was that was one of the things that we eventually started taking too. So we had buses, we had the marshrutkas, we had the taxis.
0: Now, I took a taxi from Engels to Saratov once. Uh, this is when I was back. After we had lived there, a couple of years later, I was visiting, uh-huh. and it was too late to catch the 284B or 85B bus, and and so I took a taxi, and another thing taxis will do in Russia is they, they'll they pick up other passengers along the way, yeah. and they ask you, they're nice about it, they ask you first if it's okay, and they'll say, Shall we pick up this guy? And so there was a guy uh, standing this late at night in Angle's. And he's standing at the bus stop, but I know he's not gonna find a bus at this hour yeah. and uh, so we picked him up um he looked he looked like he might be Kazakh uh maybe from Kazakhstan and he gets into the the taxi and asks the guy how much is it to this part of Saratov the guy tells him it's gonna be fifty rubles and he only had thirty uh. and I said, you know what I'll spot you the I'll spot you the 20 rubles yeah I've got I was in a good mood yeah. it's only 20 rubles which was less than a buck. <laughs> and the guy was so grateful Just along. I was riding in the front seat and he was in the back. Cause that's another thing you do. It's, it's rude to sit in the back seat of a taxi as if it was your limo and like you're some rich yeah. guy, like you're better than the driver. Like if you're, if it's only you, you sit in the passenger seat because you're equals. Yeah. Some of that old Soviet culture that, that we are equal and I'm not going to sit in the back. Like you're my driver. Yeah. So I'm sitting up front and, and the Kazakh guy is sitting in the back and the whole time he's saying, Thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you, thank you for helping me out. And and I said, It's no problem, it's just twenty rubes. And then we get to his stop and he leans over the seat before he gets out. This was right after New Year. And he leans over and he says, brat Like, hey, thank happy New Year, brother. Thank you again for the ride. And he puts his hand out and he's holding something. And so I took it from him. And he got out, and it was dark, so I couldn't look at it. It's this little paper package. And finally, I get to my stop, and I go to my friend Nikita's house, and I open this thing, and it's a big bud of weed. <laughs> this guy paid me for a taxi with weed. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so just any any currency is good for paying for your taxi, you know, rubles or dollars or weed or whatever. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New
1: Year, indeed. Yeah, sometimes you'd have to take a combination of any of these To get where you needed to go, and even in that, like, there would be times where sometimes the routes would change, and and they didn't really make it very clear that that was happening, at least to us foreigners who didn't know what was going on. You know, sometimes like there would be a summer summer change in the route, and we had no clue. Yeah, that happened
0: to me once on Easter Sunday. Huh. When this is you had left by then. Yeah. And I was living in Saratov and it was easter sunday and my friends had invited me out to the dacha and they were they were at their dacha way on the countryside and the process of getting there they sent me a it was like seven texts long they had to tell me all these different you take the gazelle to this bus and take the city bus to the train station and then it was a light light rail train to take it way out into the countryside yeah So I'm following all the instructions, and I got on this city bus in Saratov that I'd taken a million times, and I'm real excited to get out to the Dacha because it's Easter, and I had been fasting from from meat and alcohol for all of Lent before that, like my friends were. So we're ready to have some beers and celebrate Easter and say, Christos vas (laughs) Christ is risen. And so I've been to mass at the Catholic church. I'm all fired up for Easter. And then I'm I'm on the bus and it takes this other turn. And I've taken this bus a million times, but it's going some totally different place. And I'm looking around and I'm, and we're nowhere near the train station. And next thing I know, we're in the freaking cemetery Mm. in the graveyard. And like, this is. It's like a nightmare. What am I doing with all these dead people here? <laughs> yeah. And then everybody's everybody's getting off in the graveyard, and like, this is like one of those folk tales where it turns out I'm really dead and this is the bus to hell and it's taking me to the the underworld. Yeah, here's your and, stop. And,
1: and,
0: <laughs> and everyone's getting off of the graveyard, and that was when I learned that it's an, an old Russian tradition to go to the graveyard on Easter Oh. because I guess during the Soviet days, the people who were devout and religious, because it was frowned upon to go to church and to be seen going to church too much, yeah, they would celebrate Easter by going to the graveyard under the guise of putting flowers on the graves of their loved ones. Ah, So they would go there, but that was kind of their way to have a, a private space for prayer and meditation, but to not be so obvious as going inside a church. Yeah,
1: that makes sense.
0: Now, of course, it's not like that. You know, it's very religion friendly in Russia but the tradition stuck so all these people are going to the graveyard to put flowers on the graves and and so the bus it changed routes just for Easter Sunday with no warning uh. and that was just the beginning of my trials and tribulations cuz then i got <laughs> i think i took a taxi back to the train station and i got the light rail train made sure it was the right one and and i keep checking all the stops to make sure and and then i got off at what i thought was the stop my friends told me but because of the whole graveyard detour i, I lost a few hours <laughs> so when I get there, it's nighttime and there's oh. no station at this stop. Like the stop was, only, it just stopped in the middle of the tracks and I get off and the train keeps on going and I'm standing by these train tracks in an empty field <laughs> and there's, there's nothing. There's not a, no buildings or any, or people or anything. It's totally dark. No streetlight. No streetlights, just like the black wilderness. And I was terrified and I'm thinking, is this even the right place? And then I hear these voices coming up, and there's are rustling through the grass, and people are walking towards me, and they're singing. They're singing a, a Russian folk song, like, hey, Maroz, Maroz. And I'm thinking, are these banziti? Are these guopniki? Are they skinheadi? Are they going to kick my ass? And then they get closer, and one of them's smoking a cigarette, and I see from the light that it's my friend Lyoka. and uh. it's my friends who they've come to meet me at the train stop. <laughs> and so then they they sang, and they took me and put their arms around me, and they walked me to the dacha, and and we all drank shots of samogon moonshine, and they gave me a slice of cake, and these three beautiful girls came up and kissed me on both cheeks and said, Christ is risen. And so in, I went from hell to heaven all in that, <laughs> that one day on Easter Sunday.
1: Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, hellish experiences on public transport, remember when we uh, took the train up to Moscow? to go see that Matrix movie that came out. Oh, yeah, the the last Matrix, right? The number 3? Yeah. Yeah, we were really pumped about it and the only place we could go see it in English was Moscow. There there were theaters in right. Saratov uh that we could have seen it, but uh back then at least they would overdub.
0: Yeah, it was all dubbed into Russian.
1: Yeah, they didn't do subtitles, they would dub it. And so we knew with a movie like that we would have no idea, you know, what was going on with all the Technology and philosophy that they talk about in those movies, so we so we decided right. to make make a trip out of it and we liked we liked taking the trains you know we would we would take the trains periodically to to go up to Moscow to get to go renew our visas out of country every time we arrived in Russia we would take the train down and and there was different ways to take the trains you could you could get a um a private room a private berth and there was usually uh four beds that were in there two of the beds would would fold up and so you could use the other beds as seats yeah the,
0: that was the Kupaini billet was that compartment
1: yeah and sometimes sometimes we would take that and there would just be the two of us so we would share that with uh with some other passengers some strangers that we didn't know we talked about uh the our experience going to Estonia last season where we thought that the uh the priest was sitting in our seats because we'd go the that that <laughs> route we went the the next level down and so we just got seats regular train seats and we were wrong <laughs> he wasn't in our seats we were looking at the wrong ones had yeah, the wrong number but then there was another there was another even lower ticket that we would get eventually because we were trying to save money
0: platskartny the platskartny
1: billet yeah and that was in a kind of an open an open train car that had like maybe up to 40 kind of cots and beds that would fold up and down a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, just packed in with people. And
0: just rows and rows of of the two double decker beds. Yeah. And they were they were really cramped too. The- I I was always afraid I'd fall off of it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Because it was just like super super tiny mattresses and and the hallway is
1: is right next to it. I remember seeing people fall off of those things too. Oh man. Well well the uh the train ride to Moscow was an overnight train so We knew we would have to get a situation where we wanted to sleep. So, because it was what, how many hours? Like eight, 10 hours
0: at least. Yeah. It's about
1: a thousand kilometers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a very
1: long trip. It was a long trip. And we, you know, we were saving our money because we knew when we got to Moscow, we'd want to, you know, go to McDonald's and buy, you know, 50 hamburgers. So we got the cheap seats. As you do. Yeah, as you do. But we uh we thought, you know what, like we, we might have a tough time sleeping. Why don't we go to the food car? Let's get some dinner and let's do it. Let's do it Russian style and we'll get some vodka with dinner. You know, maybe that'll help us sleep. So we went and we ordered dinner and we ordered uh we ordered some vodka and you could order either, you know, by shots or you can order a, a certain amount. And there was one that was pretty cheap. So we said, oh, let's get that. And we thought maybe there'd be a couple of drinks with it. But it was half a liter. We ordered half a liter of vodka. Right, because it
0: it, you would sell it by the grams. And yeah. we're you know, we from California. We, had, we still had no idea how many grams, 800 <laughs> grams of vodka is. So yeah, we said, it, just point at
1: a number and pick it. And, it. and it was so cheap that we would have never expected it was that much. But when it came to our table, we, we looked at it and we looked at each other and we said, well, when in Russia, do as the Russians do. So we uh, let's do this. Kept doing toasts, and we finished our dinner. But we <laughs> we polished off that that half a liter of vodka just the two of us.
0: Yeah, except we were doing it even even more hardcore than the Russians, because Russians would usually drink a chaser after, when doing <laughs> vodka shots. Yeah, and or have some have something to snack on, and we were just doing straight shots with no chaser. Yeah because I told our friend Marina about it afterwards and she was horrified that we were not drinking chasers <laughs> with it. Yeah. And she said, "Okay, you guys are more hardcore than us."
1: Well, we uh we polished it off and decided to go to bed cuz we were we were done for the night.
0: Yeah, you were in a bad you were in a bad place. I could tell you were going to the dark side at the last couple shots we were doing <laughs> cuz you were staring at a guy at the other end of the the dining car and he was he was a weird guy. He was rocking his head back and forth for some <laughs> yeah. reason. And he didn't and he didn't have headphones in or anything. He was just moving his head. And you were pissed at him. Yeah. You were saying, Why is that guy moving his head like I want to throw this bottle at him? <laughs> Why I'm going to throw this bottle at his head? And I said, No, don't don't throw a bottle at a guy's head. You talked to me so down. So you were going to the dark side. <laughs> you were going to the dark side already.
1: Yeah. And I remember climbing up into the top bunk. And I remember getting ready and getting in bed and it was the length of the bed was like two inches shorter than what I needed it to be (laughs) my feet were touching at the end and my head was bumping up against the other end and I had to tilt my head over to the side so I was like if I wanted to lay out straight uh, there was no way I could do it but uh, eventually eventually I did fall asleep but then I woke up and um, I think it was like maybe two in the morning and I knew Oh man, this is this really caught up to me. I'm I'm sick. So I went over, I went to the bathroom. I uh did my stuff in the bathroom that I needed to do. Thought, okay, I got that all out. Now I'll be okay. I'll go back to bed. And I went back into bed. And I think I fell yeah. asleep for to another like ten minutes. And then all of a sudden it came back again. Ooh. From two AM up until we got to Moscow, I every ten to fifteen minutes I had to go and Eventually, I was dry heaving. Oh, that sucks. The thing that made it even the worse was about 5 a.m., everybody started waking up and everybody started wanting to use the bathroom. And I woke up one of those times and I had to get to the bathroom quick and I get there and there was a line of like 12 people. Oh, yeah, with their toothbrushes and their razors. Yeah, because everybody, when everybody travels to Moscow, they, you know, they, they get off and they want to be nice and fresh when they get there. I was far from fresh. <laughs> so eventually I I realized, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it in the bathroom, but I found in between the train cars there was a little hole that went down onto the tracks and I realized, well, I could I could do my business over here and so for the last couple of hours of the train ride I <laughs> I puked onto the train tracks the whole way. <laughs> that was that was the worst public transportation experience I've ever had. And uh, I I won't do I won't do that again.
0: I was terrified when I saw you the, the next morning because I slept through the night, and then I saw you. You just you looked like you looked like crap. You looked terrible. Yeah, you were pale and you're dry heaving. <laughs> I thought I was going to have another man's blood on my hands. I thought you were going <laughs> to die on me right there. Yeah. And I was just like, like like just hang in with me till Moscow. We'll find a pharmacy and or a doctor. And I was like. Don't don't you die on me, buddy. <laughs> and we lucked yeah, out. Yeah, they had a pharmacy in the train station in Moscow. Yeah. And so I went in, and and I said, my buddy's sick to the stomach. And by then, my Russian was fairly decent. And she said, OK, what kind of stomach sick is he? And I said, like the too much vodka kind. And she just gave me this <laughs> knowing look, like, oh, yeah, OK, I got yeah. you. <laughs> and she gave us a, a formula of, what would you call it, like a powdered mi- to mix with water to re- replenish, rehydrate.
1: That, and then we lucked out at the train station. There were these places where you could go and rent a room to rest, you know, like in between. If you had a ticket either coming or going, you could get these rooms. And So we got a room, and we splurged for the one where it would only be us. So I got to rest a little bit. And by the time the movie was ready that night, I was I was feeling good. So we went out and got our McDonald's and watched the movie and then got back on a train and came home. I didn't, I didn't drink any on that trip. All's well that ends well. Yeah. So, Dave, I recently introduced you to my friend, John Glensman, who I met out in Sweden. Yeah, um, cool guy. I just recently found out that he spent some time in Russia. He traveled on the Trans-Siberian Railway. We've got him here, and, and we wanted to hear a little bit of his stories. So uh, we're going to bring him in on the conversation now. Hey, John.
2: Hey, how's it going, guys? Going good. Good to have you here, John. Doing well. It's great to be here. Yeah.
1: So John, you and I met while we were both living in Stockholm, Sweden, we kind of bonded being, uh, expats being guys who just enjoyed to travel and, and see the world and, and enjoyed different cultures. I don't even think we realized when we were both in Sweden that you or I had both been in Russia, but, uh, that was something that just recently kind of came up when we were talking.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how we didn't realize that. And, uh, uh you know unfortunately it would have been actually great um we could have bonded some more in sweden but yeah. uh you kind of took off actually uh, fairly soon after i got there um yeah you were you were the friend i needed in sweden grant
1: you, you know uh those experiences in another country like it's it's hard to to do it solo it's always good to find it, find a friend absolutely we talked uh just quickly the other day just debrief and that's where that's where i introduced you to dave we had a good talk, but uh, we really wanted to get you on and share some of your experiences when it came to transportation. You, you've got some, some kind of fun stories that we wanted to share a little bit.
2: Yeah, okay. So my story actually um, – well, it begins in Norway. So I traveled from Norway to Vietnam basically by land in the year 2007 to 2008, basically um, was wanted to go to Mongolia. And I had this crazy idea of taking the Trans-Siberian to get there. So I took the boat from Stockholm, Sweden, to uh, Tallinn, Estonia. Mm-hmm. I walk to the train station when my train is supposed to depart, and I get on the train. And pretty quickly I realized I am like the only tourist on, on this train. I'm the only one that like doesn't speak Russian. And, uh, so I, um, confusedly, because I didn't even know how to read my ticket correctly, ended up sitting by this guy and he was really friendly and like kicked off the guy who was supposed to be sitting there who came later. (laughs) And, uh, I just decided to go for it. So I had spent some time in Latvia and, uh, Russian speaking part of Latvia. And so I knew some Russian. And so I just started speaking to this guy in Russian, um, that got quickly exhausted. I can assure you that um we moved on to hand gestures and then i think like i was just speaking english and he was just speaking russian and <laughs> this went on for like the entire train ride i mean it's like an overnight oh. uh, well not quite overnight but it's like it's a long train we've taken it
1: i yeah. wonder i wonder if uh, if you were dressed up like a priest maybe you were the priest that that was sitting in our seats when we were taking that train ride oh.
2: <laughs> yeah were you were you wearing I, an orthodox priest's habit <laughs> well um i can assure you i was not dressed up as a priest but interestingly i had managed to leave my hiking boots in stockholm like the night before i took this boat so all i had was these blue awful looking american crocs
0: oh my god dude that's just a middle finger
2: to the whole world <laughs> so yeah so i'm just riding this train you know totally out of place and uh, speaking this guy and uh, so at one point in the conversation um I think he shows me his like finger and he kind of puts this like, you know, ring on it. And I'm like, oh, you're married. You're communicating to me that you're married. Oh, I understand. Look at me. Okay. One kid, two kids, three kids, you have kids. And he like does some kind of thing back. And, you know, if you were some kind of like fly on the wall that could understand both like the languages and interactions, I'm sure this was just hilarious because, we both thought we were communicating things and who knows if we were actually communicating the right thing, <laughs> but this ring thing comes in significant later on in the story. So, all right. So anyways, I arrive. it's 11 o'clock at night in St. Petersburg uh-huh. and I have no place to stay. I have, um, I don't even have any like Russian ruples. I have like these Estonian crowns, you know? And, uh, um, so, and this guy's name is Vlad, Vladimir. And so Vladimir says to me, John hotel. And I say, which is like probably really bad (laughs) Russian for like no house. (laughs) uh, So he, um, he's like, Oh, come with me, you know, makes the motion. And uh, I had been reading up on Russia. So when I did this journey around the world, um, Russia was the country that I think kind of made me the most um, nervous because it was by far the most difficult visa for me to get. Like any other country was kind of just like, not a problem, but, because we yeah. make it so hard, at least back then in the in the US, for Russians to come to our country, they make it equally hard for us. So you had to just right. do all these things for their visa and then it had all these strict rules. And so I've been reading all these things and I'd also spent some time, you know, in Sweden before and Swedes, you know, are suspicious of Russians. Um for for good reasons. I mean, every once in a while they'll find like <laughs> they according to them, they'll find a Russian submarine in the Swedish archipelago, you know, the Stockholm archipelago. <laughs> um so, anyways, I've got all these like kind of just um Uh, notions. And one of them that I had read about was that sometimes the police maybe will come up and and haggle you and uh, charge you like a false fine and things like that. We like to call it a bribe.
0: A voluntary contribution to to the (laughs) municipal uh, resources.
2: Yeah. So the problem for me is being five minutes in Russia, I only have these like Estonian crowns, which I'm pretty sure would not have been a nice voluntary contribution. So we, we haven't even made it out of like the, you know, the train station yet. Like literally the first person I see is a, is a cop is a a Russian police. And it just like, you know, for me, it's like KGB or Gestapo, just, you know, all those stereotypes. Um, I have this like, um, suspicious looking rifle thing because i have this martin backpacker guitar with me and oh, so yeah the first thing is he's like pointing at this thing and i look over at vladimir who looks a little bit nervous and he's like <laughs> uh, guitar guitar and i'm like oh yeah guitar guitar and uh, he opens it up and expects it and you know of course it's just this like silly looking instrument and puts it back in and off i am on my way i you know no problems
0: now at this point has has vladimir
2: or is it understood that you're going to his house with him He's like, he's like, come with me. Come with me. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just... <laughs> okay. Because you know what's fun with the way you
0: said it in Russian, too? Uh-huh. And this is... You know, you remember the grammatical cases in Russian. And the way you say a word will change the meaning. So the way if... What you wanted to say was, I don't have a place to stay. I don't have a house. So you would say, нету doma if you meant to say, there is no house, or I don't have a house. But the way, <laughs> the way you said it was, нет, dom which comes across as kind of you inviting yourself over to this guy's house. Like he's asking if you have a hotel and you're saying, no, I'm going
2: to your house. <laughs> really? <laughs> should know should, I don't have a, I don't have a hotel. I'm going to your house. That's what I'm doing. That's hilarious. So, okay. So this is like totally new information I've never had. So maybe that's like partly what was going on here. I don't know what
0: what's happening next, but he might've
2: just thought, well, what the hell? Okay. Done. Well, so I'm, yeah. So I'm following him and uh we get on this like de-escalator and um i have no idea where we're at but this thing is just like the mines of moria or something like that like we're just like descending and descending like into the bowels of the earth and it's like the longest de-escalator i swear i have no far like no idea how far we went down but there's like um chandeliers like golden chandeliers hanging and yeah it was like um i not i didn't expect this at all i mean this thing was like well decorated and yeah we're just descending just you know down to the pit of the earth and we we get down to the bottom get on a a, you know the subway um whatever they call it i can't remember metro metro and uh um we get off we go on that for a while get off i am following him we get on a bus i'm walking through these dark alleys and this is like you know midnight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's my <Yeah>. first night. <laughs> I have no idea, like, where I'm going. I've just, like, put myself in the care of this guy. Um, finally, after, like, all these, like, twisting alleys and things, we arrive at this, like, a, you know, kind of rundown apartment complex. And he uh, gets on this, like, kind of speaker thing. And eventually, like, this um, woman, a middle-aged woman comes and meets us at the door. And uh, as I learned later on, this was his sister, Tanya. So <laughs> we're going to his sister Tanya's house. And I walk in. And at this point, it's like you know, like one at night or something like that, and I'm just you know, I'm tired. I'm ready to go to sleep. But uh, we go to the kitchen, and there's just this assortment of food that's laid out. You know, the sandwiches that you guys described in that one episode were definitely. I think both varieties, like the tomato ones and the sardine with mayonnaise ones, were there. And the oh, yeah. open face, the
0: bocce bro, the open
2: face sandwich. Yeah, there's um, there's potatoes, and just all kinds of different kinds of potatoes, like salamis. Um, Russian candies and cookies and lots and lots of chai. So, um, I'm sitting in the kitchen with these two siblings, and I don't speak any Russian really or understand Russian. I mean, I've got like these little things I can kind of say and understand, but um, so I'm having this like total for me, it was like this first kind of experience where I'm just uh in this environment where we're somehow trying to communicate with each other, but we're not able to do it using uh, spoken language exactly, and so yeah it was the first kind of time I've had many of these experiences since then, but this one just has always stood out to me. And so we're just like, you know, trying all these different ways to communicate and I I'm eating and I'm full. And what I'm not realizing, which I, you know, chuckled about your guys' episode is now I know you don't eat um, and finish something. You have to leave a little bit of it. If you finish it, that means you want more. And so they're just like bringing, bringing it on. Like I'm, I'm trying to kind of like (laughs) politely refuse but they're like, no, 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 yet, yet, yet. You know, like just shoving this stuff at me, and I, I don't, I don't think I ever drank so many cups of tea, like you know, that late at night. Before. You know, finally, it's like three thirty or something like that, and um, we're going to bed, and I feel kind of bad because there's like some kid just sleeping on this couch, and she just like kicks this kid off the couch. And this becomes my bed, and I don't know where that kid slept that night, but. Um, yeah, so I wake up in the morning. It was a two-bedroom apartment and it was pretty small. And like, I swear, like somehow, just there was like ten people inside of this apartment. Like, people, I swear, <laughs> just like popping out behind the couch that I was sleeping on, <laughs> and just like coming out of these rooms, and maybe like coming out like this kid maybe slept under a rug or something. I don't know. No, we we've done that. Been there, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I remember like I think it was like. Um, one of their daughters or something pulled out this kind of Russian English dictionary, but it was like pretty rough, <laughs> not like a very good dictionary. And uh, I think what is being communicated to me is that we're going to go to the hermitage that day. And so I'm kind of like waiting around. And I know that this is something that you see in St. Petersburg and I was like, Oh, that's awfully kind of them, you know? And, and uh, they're getting like all dressed up. Um, they're putting on just these nice clothes. And I know as Americans, we're kind of like the slobs of the world. So you know, it's familiar to me that in other cultures, people dress up a bit more. So, you know, it's like, well, you know, Russians like to dress up when they go out. Uh, Okay, you know, that's fine. And I'm just sitting around. It's just taking longer and longer. And finally, it's like three in the afternoon. And uh, Vladimir motions to me. and He's like, John, guitar. And he wants me to bring my guitar with me. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, like, maybe they want me to play in the Hermitage or something. Who knows? (laughs) So I go out, I think I had these Crocs on, um like my kind of like backpacking clothes um this uh martin backpack suspicious looking martin backpacker guitar and i think i managed to grab my wallet i don't i might have left my passport like so my backpack and all the rest of my stuff were like in her apartment we go out um we stop at a flower shop and i'm like oh well you know i guess russians like to buy flowers when they go out uh you know it's you know maybe not that unusual uh so
0: these are my walk-in petunias (laughs) I just like to carry them when I walk walk around with some petunias.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we get on this bus and then we pull in front of this building and suddenly I, it just dawns on me. I realize like what's going on. All these people are dressed in like these wedding clothes. What? Like dressed in my, you know, backpack clothes. In your Crocs? Yeah. <laughs> And so I have some awkward photo of me like at the beginning. These like middle-aged women all dressed up all fancy, <laughs> and I'm just standing around there, you know. Um, so yeah, so I'm at this wedding. Like it's my first day in in, in St. Petersburg, and I'm at this wedding, <laughs> like of all places. And- like, later on, it, it dawned on me, the reason that he was going like this, Vladimir... Is there's a wedding? We're going to go to a wedding? <laughs> um, oh, and for those of you listening, because you can't see me, I made a motion of putting a ring on my finger. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, so I'm at this wedding. The building doesn't seem like a wedding building to me. It's this, like, really, you know, unglamorous, like, Soviet block type of building, and we go up some stairs. Sounds perfect. The, uh, the ceremony, if you want to call it, that was uh like a a basically naked legal act of bureaucracy (laughs) of just signing some (laughs) papers (laughs) that no kiss no uh, no singing no no nothing so that was uh, i guess that was like they got married and then we walked outside and then it was like shotguns are being fired in the air or rifles or i don't know what these were but some kind of guns were being fired in the air the champagne Mm -hmm. came out and there was like um uh noise and celebration and and then we went to this reception place and so we're at this reception area and the vodka glasses come out and uh, they would do this thing where they would like um start to make some noise i think they'd like bang on their glasses like we do and then they would count to a number and the number they would Mm -hmm. count to that was the number of times that the bride and groom had to kiss each other and then that was always followed with a shot of vodka And this went on, like, several, several times, you know, until just everyone has had their fill and and more of vodka. And Mm. I think it was, like, somewhere around this point, they asked me to get up and play a song. (laughs) Um, I don't really do, like, covers and things like that. I just make up my own stuff. And so they're probably (laughs) wanting me to play some, like, you know, romantic uh, Western song. And um, I just played a song that I just kind of, like, had made up that afternoon. But I didn't, have like, have all the lyrics and so I just kind of, like, jibber-jabbered some of the lyrics, <laughs> oh, <perfect. laughs> figuring, figuring they probably wouldn't really notice anyway since it was an English song. Yeah, that'll work. And yeah. I had the harmonica and everything. And, you know, I got down to, like, leave the stage, and they are like, no, <laughs> they, they want me back up there. So You're the main act, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't remember what I did to get through that second part. Um, I, I, I might have played, like, some really... Wonderwall, man. Yeah, I might have played, like... <laughs> Pharaoh, Pharaoh, or Blind Man? These like um, camp songs, <laughs> like church church camp songs. <laughs> <laughs> I might have played something like that. I don't remember, but okay. So, anyways, um, the, this dance kind of begins, and uh, Tanya, you know, the sister of Vladimir, who's who's hosted me, she's you know, she's a middle aged woman, kind of heavy set, and I'm thinking like I'll be you know really awesome and just offer her the first dance, and so I go up and we do a dance and. Um, you know, I go back and sit down. I don't think anything about it. Well, (laughs) she starts coming up to me as the course of the evening goes on and just starts like kissing me on the cheek and things like that. And, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit like, well, this is where I'm staying tonight. You know, like how much (laughs) has she had again? You know, how many shots of vodka (laughs) did she had? Uh, Um, and, uh, um, suddenly this girl who introduces herself to me as Lisa in English, just out of nowhere (laughs) comes up to me. She's the only person who speaks English at this wedding. <laughs> and uh, she tells me that the bride and groom would like to invite me to the ducha. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the country house. Yeah. So they have this tradition. I, I learned um, where like we go on honeymoons, they go to the ducha. they go to the ducha and they hang out with their friends. They go to like this countryside place. And so anyway, they, they've invited me, I'm looking over at Tanya. Who's kind of, you know, got this weird look at me and looking at the bride and groom. And I'm like, I think I'm going to go to the Dutch tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the wedding, uh, the wedding ends and, you know, again, I don't really know where Tanya's apartment is and like all my stuff, even possibly if I, I don't remember exactly, but even my passport are there. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, we get in this, we pile in this van and then, uh, we drive for a while dropping people off at different places. I think everyone is, you know, drunk, including the driver, <laughs> um, we uh finally get out i i follow lisa the bride and the groom and these other friends uh, and we get in this car and then lisa uh tells me that oh we're no longer going to the dutch uh, um and we'll take you to tanya's place and i'm like oh okay you know that's fine you know whatever and uh but we're driving around for a while and i can't remember what happened if lisa was in a different car or what but Suddenly, I'm in the back seat, and uh, I thought Lisa was the only one who spoke English. But this other guy who's sitting next to me it suddenly is like, "Uh," and it's just really slow, like one minute per second English. "Uh, Tanya. Uh, I don't know Tanya. Uh, he don't know Tanya. Uh, <laughs> Tanya, who is Tanya?" <laughs> so, so I- I'm just, like, like, in the middle of, you know, God knows where in St. Petersburg, like, and I don't know if I'm getting back to Tanya's place or what. And uh, a little and nobody bit later knows on, Tanya in the car. And, and apparently, um, and so a little bit later on, he, um, he says this other thing to me. I think I wrote it down here, which was really funny. Um, oh, yeah. He goes, uh, Russian people are good people. Uh, will not leave you. And so now I'm like starting to get really concerned. Like, oh, was there, was there talk of leaving me? Like, <laughs> like, why, why does he need to reassure? This is a normal thing, right? Like you don't just leave someone, right? Like, why does he need to reassure me about this? It's like when someone tells you
0: not to worry, you say, I wasn't worried before you told me not to worry, but
2: now, but now I am. What was I supposed to be worried about? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So eventually actually we pull up and they're like, I recognize this kind of rusty playground equipment from the night before. And I knew that this was Tanya's apartment.
1: You're lucky, John, because I don't yeah. know your experience, but like every apartment has the rusty playground equipment like, out in front yeah, of that, it. Yeah,
2: that doesn't narrow
0: it down. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's that big blocky apartment by the rusty equipment shaped like a
2: spaceship. It's that one. Maybe, maybe that explains it um, because anyways, they go up. I, I'm pretty sure this was her place, but I could be wrong. They go up and they're like knocking and banging and yelling. And Tanya's probably just like passed out somewhere, you know, drunk on vodka. <laughs> and she never comes to the door. And so suddenly, like, I'm going to the ducha again with them. So, you know, now it's like 3 in the morning, and we're driving north, south, west, east. I don't know which direction we're going, like, somewhere two hours away. And I have no idea where, where we're at. I don't know where Tanya's place is. I have no idea where we're going. Um, but I just remember the driver, it was in one of these, uh, I wish I could remember what kind of car it was, but it was one of these classic Russian cars that I saw a lot of later. And it's this mm-hmm. kind of narrow country road to begin with. But he's just like swerving in and out of like the oncoming lane in our lane and i think i just was like praying like god just let me live one more night just one more night <laughs> like i don't think i've ever prayed so much I'm, I'm pretty sure he was um had had some vodka to drink that night as well anyways we we got there um, we show up there's like these um just kind of like ramshackle wooden buildings um you know from my western point of view that we show up at and i Walk up and I'm led up to some kind of uh, upper room where I just pass out on uh, a couch. Yeah. The next morning, um, I like open my eyes and I'm surrounded by all these, like, some faces I recognize, some that I don't, of like this Russian party and whoever was at this Dutch place with a, a piece of shashlik just like in front of my face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the
2: barbecued meat. You know, knowing a little bit of Russian or what I thought was Russian, I'm like, which I think means good morning. And they're just all just laughing at me. And uh, um, Lisa's there. She offers me the shashlik. I get out of bed. Um, I'm carrying this, like, shashlik awkwardly down following them. Um, There's a tomato plant outside, I remember. And she just, like, picks off this tomato, hands it to me. I've got that in the other hand. And then they're, like, um, trying to give me candy. And, like, a babushka comes out and is, like, trying to feed me stuff. And I just remember like being like, um, Lisa, I only have two hands. I can't, I can't take any more right now. And she kind of had this smile and, um, it was just, uh, you know, suddenly I was like needing to eat all these things, just like in your guys's episode. And there's this awkward thing that goes on because you don't want to be impolite and refuse. Cause you feel like that's like something you shouldn't do. Um, but they also from their end, they don't want you to feel like you're not getting offered things and not, and, and, yeah. or going hungry. So I'm just like eating uh, shashlik, ice cream, candy, tomatoes all (laughs) at once. (laughs) So I was kind of uh, thinking in my mind that, oh, great, I've got Lisa here. She can help translate for me. But I soon realized that uh, that was not going to happen because she just was like gone. I don't know where she went, but she was just gone for these like long periods of time. And so it was just me again, just uh, with Russian and, and English and uh, you know, not really able to communicate uh, for this just like really long period of time. and yeah. uh, um, I remembered like at first, you know that first evening, there was something that was kind of intriguing to me, but I was starting to get a little bit tired of that actually it was it was frustrating not to be able to say what I wanted, not to be able to communicate well. yeah, just all these things were happening. Uh, there was definitely um, like uh, shots of vodka that were taking place, and I had remembered someone saying to me, saying to me that it was impolite to refuse a shot that was offered to you. And so I think I probably could have just refused it. But um, I got in this situation where I was not really wanting any more shots, but the shots kept on being offered to me. And so (laughs) you don't want more. Why would you not want more shots? man? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, I just uh, I just started pouring out these shots (laughs) like (laughs) in this kind of sneaky way, like when they were like, you know, not looking, I would just kind of let it out real quick but um unfortunately the bride kind of noticed me one time and i think that was like (laughs) that was not a very favorable act i don't think i don't think she was too happy about that Uh, she was she was
1: more upset at that than the fact that you wore crocs to
2: her wedding (laughs) (laughs) i think yeah i never got anything about the appearance the crocs nothing like or that you're a complete stranger from another country and you totally just crashed her wedding Uh, yeah Yeah. (laughs) And a honeymoon you know what i would consider the honeymoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, i wouldn't want i wouldn't want me like <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> this random guy who doesn't even speak their language just you know following just along just hanging out um so i remembered like one night you know kind of came another night and i'm starting to get concerned because i don't know exactly how long we're staying here and because i had this complicated visa. I was, what I was supposed to do, I was supposed to, after three days of entering the country, get it validated at some kind of, like, official place. register where you're residing in the country. Yeah, and I'm off, you know, somewhere, I don't even know where I'm at, you know, two hours outside of St. Petersburg, and Lisa, who was always kind of vague about things, I would ask her things, but I would never get, like, a clear answer, was not, like, giving me, yeah, any kind of idea of how long (laughs) we were going to be here, and so I'm kind of counting, like, wedding, one day, uh, first night. Second night, oh, this is starting to get bad. Like, I need to get back to St. <laughs> Petersburg. Um, finally, we had, like, a, a, um, a banya. Nice. And it was almost like we went straight from the banya to the car and drove back to St. Petersburg. And uh, um, so get this. Somehow, um, so Michael was the husband, and the, I cannot remember the bride's name. I wish I could. And then Lisa. Um, they end up actually driving me around. Um, so the bride and the groom the first thing they do after like what I consider their honeymoon is take this random guy who they've never met before (laughs) and they're driving me and it's kind of frustrating because we're going to these different places and every time they're telling me this is the wrong place, like you have to get it validated at this place and we go there and it's the wrong place. And so they're driving me all over. Finally we get to the right place, but for your visa to get your, brapiska registered. Yeah. So that I can, yeah. So that I can, yeah, be officially in the country and um, like, all the, I had had all these like stereotypes given to me about Russians, but that just really stood out to me of like, wow, a bride and a groom doing that after their wedding. Uh, that was just yeah. a testimony to kindness that, you know, I just couldn't even sure. uh, believe that dude wasn't lying when he told you that Russians are good people. They're good people. Oh, He was, uh, no, he was yeah. not. Yeah. Um, so eventually we, we ended up getting back to Tanya's apartment to my relief, um, where my stuff was. Um And Lisa comes up to me, kind of awkwardly and is like, uh John, uh you must give Tanya pleasure. <laughs> In my mind, all I can think of is that wedding night, you know, and it's like, yeah. this is exactly why I, I went with you guys to the countryside, you know. She's been waiting <laughs> like, all
1: weekend for you uh, to get back to give her the and, pleasure.
2: <laughs> and like I'm obviously not getting what she's communicating. So like we get a dictionary out and you know whatever Russian word this was, which I had no idea, the English word says pleasure <laughs> next to it. <laughs> and I'm like, um, I can't, you know, I, sorry, I don't understand. You know, I don't understand. Sorry. Um, and I think later on what maybe they were trying to communicate was like, um, maybe it would be nice for me to give some money or something like that for having stayed there. You know, I don't know yeah. what word that was. I don't know what was trying to be communicated
0: or some sort of gesture of gesture of gratitude or something. Yeah. Like, some give gratuity. A, a gift, yeah.
2: Or... Something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember um, when we got there, I remember uh, Vladimir coming out and just having a huge smile on his face. You know, this guy that met me on the train, he was still still <laughs> there, staying at his sister's place. Um, I took um, Michael, Lisa, and the bride to dinner that night, uh, you know, just as a way to say thank you. And uh, at the end of the evening, they were very adamant. They wanted me to understand this very clearly. Druga, Druga. They, they said that to me. They wanted me to understand, hey, Druga. So... Um, in my understanding, drug is the word for friend. I don't know what druga yeah. means. So Dave, if you can explain that to me, I would be uh, happy to know that.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure there was a, a sentence around it, but, uh, yeah, if it's druga, it would be somebody, yeah, somebody's doing something to the friend or talking to the friend. So friend is the important part. So anyways, that was
2: my first, uh, three days in Russia and, uh, yeah, I ended up, uh, making some really nice friends. Yeah.
0: That is such a Russian experience. <laughs> that whole thing is, like the unpredictability of it, the the hospitality, the like just insanely open and warm hospitality. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you not only did you experience Russian friendship, but real in line with our episode today, you experienced like every form of Russian transportation in that twenty four hours. You got the train ride. You met you met a new friend on the train, yeah. and that whole that closeness on the train. And then you have, you took a bus in St. Petersburg, you went to the metro, you took the underground, the subway, you've got uh, um, taking a a car, I'm imagining it must have been a Volga or a Lada, the car that went out into the countryside. I think, yeah, I think it was one of those, yeah. And you said, you mentioned a minivan too, that you guys all piled into?
2: Yeah, I think we got into a micro, you know, Russian microbus or microvan or whatever those are called.
0: Yeah, yeah the gazelles or the marshalutka. so it sounds like they might have rented one out for
1: the wedding party, and you got the full experience with the the drunk drivers as well <laughs>
2: full on experience I can yeah
1: yeah absolutely, well, hey, John, thanks for sharing your stories with us. I can already tell just from hearing this story that I wanna hear more, and you know we've only gotten into like three days, four days of your journey through Russia, so we'll definitely be getting you back on, but uh thanks
2: for. Thanks for joining us here today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on your awesome podcast.
1: You're a true, true Drug. Druga. Druga.
2: Druga. Druga.
0: Now, we've told a lot of funny stories and about these wild adventures we had on public transportation in 2003, 2004. And as we said, these are years when Russia's really still reeling from perestroika, still pulling the pieces together. And so it's that those really awkward transition years, that's the time that we lived there. But we want to end on a positive note about it. A couple of really good things to say about transportation in Russia yeah, uh, One of the biggest things that we can praise, even from our experiences, is, is Moscow's metro system, the subway system oh, yeah. in Moscow. Just extremely efficient, super clean, not a piece of trash or graffiti anywhere, really fast. I mean, trains run every couple of minutes. And it's just a work of art, too. Some of these stations are like palaces underground Yeah, with marble and columns and chandeliers and and uh murals inside. And so it's a, it's a feat of human engineering
1: that is really incredible to see. The Moscow Metro is what really turned me on to public transportation and and I gained a, a huge appreciation and a love for public transportation probably because because that metro there was amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, just a a pleasure to use it and uh, super easy to use. It's it has different lines that intersect each other in the center of city and then there's a ring line that yeah. goes all around the city and that ring line will take you so you can it's really easy to connect on these different hubs and you can take the ring to get to the different uh hubs that intersect it yeah and even we learned that some of the homeless dudes would ride that ring line late at night to stay inside out of the cold yeah, and uh, we did that ourselves one time <laughs> when we were homeless in Moscow for the night. Yeah, <laughs> we had nowhere to stay. It's
1: trying to save that money, like we said,
0: it was. It's built so low to the. It's actually built really low underground um, because it was built to be used as a bomb shelter in the the case of an attack huh. from a hostile country. Some of these stations go way underground, and you were telling me, Grant, about a book you read. Uh, what was it? Metro twenty twenty
1: three that takes yeah. place inside. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's it's kind of a uh, a sci-fi, dystopian future kind of a story, I think, set in uh, 2023. And it's, it's all set within the metro and around the metro system. The idea is that nuclear war happened and hundreds of people, hundreds of Moscovites fled to the metro as they were intended to be bomb shelters and were kind of, I guess, like isolated and locked in there and it's really cool there's different factions and and it kind of goes into some of the like russian history there's like the bolshevik faction there's the party faction which is is they're kind of loosely based off of you know the communist party there's even there's even kind of a faction that has to do with like almost kind of like neo nazis and then there's oh, like wow. the free free faction and stuff like that so it's really really cool but it uses uh you know utilizes the different stations and and the different areas and they interact and and it was really cool knowing mm. the Moscow Metro a little bit myself and kind of being able to visualize how this would look and how this would work as as a dystopian future. <laughs> you know what I'm
0: gonna do? I'm gonna order that book on Amazon right now once we finish our episode, and yeah. I'm gonna read it in Russian and and maybe we'll do a book review about it in yeah, the future. Yeah, check it sometime.
1: out. It really cool. I, I definitely recommend it. I dig that type of literature.
0: Yeah, Moscow's metro, though, just beautiful, incredible. I mean, for a post-nuclear apocalypse, you could you could do worse for yourself than living down there. <laughs> yeah. Another cool thing that I liked from writing it was everybody reads on the metro. Oh yeah, everybody would have like people just incredibly literate people. Everybody's reading books, actual physical books. Well, and I mean that was when we lived there. But I've learned that that's still the case. Yeah. I've seen photos, modern photos, from the Metro, and everybody's still reading books. I saw one. It was like a meme uh, from Moscow's Metro, and everybody's got a book in their hand. Huh. And uh, the text on the meme said, what's wrong with these Russians? Don't they have cell phones? Yeah. Like, why is everybody reading a book when you could be checking Facebook? <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> I love that, too. I think that's great. I find it very relaxing, just like, like the white noise of the Metro train and sit there and read a book and forget about things. Yeah. And so like we said, there's been a lot of advances in, in infrastructure in Saratov and Engels and everywhere in Russia. I mean, it's 15 years and have passed, and a lot of the transportation infrastructure has advanced. Yeah. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. And so we have a, a news story. We we'll, we can link to it in the the notes and on our social media from Saratov, from our beloved Saratov The mayor, Mikhail Isayev, decided to take public transportation to take all the routes to check that they were running the way they have to be. Yeah. So he's he decided to hold all of them accountable for doing their jobs right. So he decided to
1: ride every single route to make sure to see how long it took, where it goes. I think it started by he decided one day he was going to take the the transportation like all the common people, like all all the normal workers do. Yeah. And he found out like there something happens, you know, there was routes that got changed or there was delays and he ended up at work 2 hours late. And so he made a commitment to the people to do what he could do as the mayor to fix any of the issues. And, and a part of that was, yeah, going on and checking out all the routes and making sure that things were working smoothly. That's kind of a cool, a cool initiative that he took. You know, you don't see that very often.
0: Yeah. I can't think of, of the mayor of San Diego or any other city doing that a governor or a U.S. president, even deciding to take Greyhound and Amtrak to see how they're working yeah I don't imagine that
1: happening. There's another funny article that we've recently came across about transportation in Saratov as well. This was just a funny story, and there was a video to go along with it. You can see it in the Moscow Times. There's a lot of snow where we where we used to live in Saratov, and there was an instance where a car got stuck in the snow, you know digging it out didn't help, you know pushing it didn't help but uh somehow there was a camel around. And so they tied right. they tied this camel to the car, and it pulled the car out of the snow and and pulled it quite a ways. <laughs> yeah, I
0: and I read that the camel was from that same circus that the orangutan was from that I ran into on the bus with my friend Fabiana.
1: Oh, really? So they
0: so they were buds. Yeah, they were buddies. Like the like I I like to imagine the orangutan riding the camel, <laughs> like from the the Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. Like he's become sentient and he's riding the camel and whipping it and and he's this is how it all begins. This is when the apes take over.
1: Yeah. Well those are those were some of our experiences and some of our funny stories about public transportation. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Like we said earlier, um, if you've had experience with public transportation in Russia or or any of the former Soviet countries, let us know. You know, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook, even Twitter, and uh, let's share those. Uh, we love to hear from you. We love to hear your stories. Like to like to know what are, what are the state of things nowadays. Yeah, tell us
0: tell us what uh, buses and uh, gazelles and trolley buses you've taken in uh, Russia nowadays, and uh, tell us how they're running. And if you've ever run into a murderous primate on any of those buses, <laughs> or a camel.
1: Thanks to John Glensman for his stories. Thanks for sticking along with us. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. This
0: episode of To Russia With Love is sponsored by the trolley booth of the City of Angels. So easy to drive, you can be drunk. And we do not discriminate. Even orangutan can ride. Спасибо за внимание. Плиз, Следующая остановка Маяковская.